Hey guys, it's a great day to live for Jesus. My name is Pastor Mike Grover, and this is the In the Word podcast, a twice-weekly devotional journey through the New Testament, where together we will stop, look, and learn what the Lord has to say to us today. In the Word today, we are in Matthew chapter number 2, and Matthew chapter number 2 picks up right where Matthew 1 left off. At the end of Matthew chapter 1, it mentions the birth of Christ by Mary, and here in chapter 2, it picks up after Jesus has already been born. In verse 1, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of you shall come a governor that shall rule my people, Israel. Then Herod, when he privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Matthew chapter 2 is just packed with so much information about the very early life of Jesus Christ. In this chapter, we have the appearing of the wise men. It's the Greek word magi to come and worship Jesus Christ. And it's interesting because the word magi can also be translated sorcerer or magician. So these were not Jews coming to worship Jesus Christ. It's literally the religion of the world's uh, bowing down at the feet of Jesus. Now, in many of our Christmas programs, we put the wise men right there alongside the shepherds, kneeling at the baby Jesus in the stable. The reality is these two events are separated in time in Scripture because when the wise men appear here in chapter 2, it's not a baby in a manger they come to, but it's a young child in a house. And in this chapter later when Herod orders the killing of um, the children in Bethlehem because he was seeking to kill Jesus Christ, he ordered his soldiers to go and to kill all the children that were two years old and below. So if this event took place at the birth of Jesus, he really could have narrowed that down quite a bit. So we believe that this event here in chapter 2 of the wise men going to worship Jesus, he's still a baby but not a infant as we see in Luke chapter number 2 when the shepherds are there. So the wise men come, and you really can't look at this chapter without some background on King Herod. King Herod, also known as Herod the Great in history, was a brilliant military strategist and builder and architect. And he built some incredible cities and monuments there in Israel. One of them would have been the Great Temple. But Herod was also a very wicked and paranoid man. Herod was not a Jew. He was a Edomite or an Idumean, and he really gained leadership over the Jews through military conquest and really underneath the Romans' authority. 
And so Herod comes to the throne as a hated outsider of the Jews, and he always felt threatened. He felt so threatened that he had one of his ten wives, Mary Amy, murdered. He had three of his sons put to death because he felt threatened by them. Now, he wanted to be loved and accepted by the Jews, and so probably his greatest feat was when he had the temple rebuilt, known as Herod's Temple. And he did this to really gain the favor of the Jews, but it didn't happen. And so Herod was this paranoid, brilliant, wicked leader that is sitting on the throne under the authority of Rome, and he hears about this prophecy that is being fulfilled that the Jews' long-awaited Messiah and King was coming. And he was referred to as the King of the Jews. Now, you got to understand, when Herod heard Jesus being referred to as the King of the Jews, man, that just went to the heart of his insecurity, because that is the very honorary title that was given to Herod from the Roman authorities. He was called the King of the Jews. So he gathers the wise men under the guise of wanting to go and worship Jesus, but in reality, he wanted to kill Jesus. So he sent the wise men on their way, and he said, when you find him, uh, come and tell me, because I want to come and worship him as well. The wise men find Jesus, they worship him, but they are warned from heaven not to go back to Herod, and they go back to the east, to the rising of the sun, back to their own land, and Herod later realizes he was mocked, the wise men did not return, and he orders his soldiers to go to Bethlehem and kill all the children two years old and below. Now, prior to this happening, an angel warned Joseph to flee Bethlehem, and Joseph took the baby Jesus and his mother Mary, and he took them down into Egypt, the Bible tells us. So you got this great chapter that gives us so much of the background of Jesus' very early life and really the danger he faced from day one. And you got this King Herod on the throne at the time that is so wicked, you got to get this, when he ordered the murder of Jesus, he understood that Jesus was the fulfillment of prophecy. So this guy is so devilish and wicked in his heart that he is actually going against God. He knows this is the fulfillment of prophecy, and yet he is trying to thwart the will of God in this. You know, in this chapter, there are four prophecies that are referenced. So what I get from this, four prophecies referenced every step of the way in the life of our Lord God was fulfilling his word. The word was literally in the word. Jesus' life was the fulfillment of hundreds of prophecies of scripture. Man, you look at the life of Christ and you see that his life was planned, it was lived, and it was guided by God's word. Two times in this chapter, we talk about, uh, it mentions warnings from heaven when things really could have gone very wrong in the life of Jesus. We see that in verse 12 and in verse number 22. We understand this to be so because of the nature and the importance of Christ's life. I mean, he was the Savior. He was the Messiah. So it just makes sense that prophecy would be fulfilled. His life would be verified through God's word that he indeed was the promised king of the Jews. But you know, outside of that doctrinal implication and truth, there's really a question for all of us to answer. What about our lives? What about your life and mine? See, the question for my life today is this, am I guided by 
God's word? Am I so attentive to God's word that when things are getting off course, that I can clearly hear and understand God's warnings to me through his Holy Spirit? In other words, am I listening to God? Are you listening to God? Are we in his word and are we so attuned to his word that the voice of the Holy Spirit is clear to us? And I do believe the Holy Spirit speaks through God's word and he speaks to us in accordance with God's word. Now, I don't believe he gives us extra revelation that contradicts God's word or is on the level of inspired scripture, but the spirit prompts us and he speaks to us. I remember one day we left church, the family, and we were gonna go to a restaurant to eat and I pulled into the parking lot and I pulled, the kids were really young. We pulled up in our van to a parking space that was up against the edge of the property and it was up against a wooded area. And I remember thinking as I pulled into that space, this is probably not a great place to park because someone could come out of those woods, break into our van, steal our things, go back into those woods and never notice it. I kind of ignored that thought and I said, ah, just, so I parked there, went in and lo and behold, when we came out, our van passenger side window was broken out. Someone had stole our electronics, uh, electronic DVD player for the kids and other things, and I'm sure made their departure back into the woods. I believe with all my heart that that was the Holy Spirit prompting me and telling me not to park there, but I just did not listen to him. From that experience and other experiences, I've learned in my life when I am in the Word of God and I am walking in fellowship with the Lord, I need to listen to those kinds of promptings. You know, in Colossians chapter 3 and verses 15 and 16, it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Now, that talks about the Word of God dwelling in us, really living as a resident in our heart. And what comes of that? It's the peace of God. The peace of God ruling, and that word rule means to umpire, to decide, or determine. So is the Word of God dwelling in me so fully that it is determining and ruling and umpiring my path in my life? See, as a follower of Christ... My life shouldn't be aimless and arbitrary, but directed and purposeful through the word of God. So each day I should seek God's will from God's word that my heart and spirit may be open to God's voice. So the word for today is simply this, get in the word. Your life is too precious to go it alone. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey together through the New Testament.